You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Last week we got not just the Game Awards, but we also got PlayStation's new experience. I shouldn't say new, it's three times running, but uh, we got a ton of information, not just on the games that have released over the last year, but of course what we can expect going forward as well. So we're going to start off with the Game Awards. As with every other year when we do this, the caveat is, of course, understand that we haven't played each one of these games. You're not listening to a podcast wherein we play every single game and review them. We just shoot the shit about games and we have time commitments and financial commitments. So we simply cannot afford to play every single game. The other thing that's important to know too, which I have brought up in the past, is that these are subjective opinions, as they should be. When you're doing a review, it can't just be an objective review. It has to be based on what that game does to you. So most of the people who have listened to the podcast for any length of time have gotten a general idea of the type of games that we like, what we feel passionate about, and then that allows them to understand whether or not that means said game would be something that they like as well. So starting with the Game Awards, which, Joe, I know you watched. Did Vince, did you actually watch it? Yeah, I uh, okay. caught it the next night. Okay, yeah, I actually had to watch it a few days later. Thankfully, Joe found me a link to their Facebook video because fucking YouTube <laughs> killed, muted the sound. <laughs> well, welcome to the world where even oh, in, 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 even on if you are the host of the goddamn show, somebody is going to levy a copyright claim against you the minute you put it on YouTube. Yay, way to go, automated responses. Fucking idiotic. Anyways, I I did watch it later on and don't necessarily agree with everything, but hey, that's the way it always goes. So let's go down the list here. Not presented in the order that they were presented on the site, but basically I found found a site that had all the winners and all the nominees and I just cut and paste. So we're going to go from (laughs) how they arranged it because fuck that noise. So the first one being the game of the year. Now, nominated for this, we had Doom, we had Inside, Overwatch, Titanfall 2, and Uncharted 4. Joe, you played the crap out of Doom, did you not? I did. I played uh, the crap out of Overwatch, Doom, I've played Inside, I've played a little Titanfall 2. The only one on that list that I haven't played is Uncharted 4. Yeah, which is not surprising. Vince, what about you? Uh, I've played Overwatch, and I really want to play Doom. Right. Yeah, Doom is one of those games that I was surprised at how much good press it's gotten. Not because the Doom franchise has been bad, not by any stretch of the imagination. Most of them have been a lot of fucking fun to play. But I didn't expect it to be this good. And Titanfall 2 is another one, because I played Titanfall, Mm -hmm. the first one, and while I enjoyed some of it, and I enjoyed certain mechanics of it quite a bit, I really did not play it for very long. because there Titanfall 2 is going to be a very interesting... like. 
kind of like a case study in, in a couple of years because it's a fantastic game from everything I've exactly, seen and yeah. heard that nobody is playing because everybody bought the first one and stopped playing it after a week. Well, see, that's well, the this, thing. I didn't. This is the game that should have been the first one. Yeah, yeah. It really is, yeah. And they even went so far as to discount that game recently at like a very deep discount. Like they knocked 50% of it off. Uh, if you bought it directly from the Microsoft store just to try to get people to buy yeah. it. I, when a good, like a fairly good sale comes out, I will pick it up just to play the campaign because from what mm-hmm. I understand, that campaign is really, really well done. And in most of those games, the campaigns fail horribly or are neglected. So to see that they're, they, they heard what people say. Oh yeah, exactly. One. <laughs> yeah. So to hear that, hey, we heard you and here's a, a kick-ass campaign, I want to support that. Just... <laughs> Not a full price. It's going to have to be a good price. <laughs> um, Overwatch, of course, won. I shouldn't mm-hmm. say of course, but I would have put no. it between Overwatch and Uncharted because Uncharted has been insanely popular. But I was not surprised in the least that Overwatch won. It's it's one of those things where brilliantly executed, for the most part, the Everything about it from design to graphics to sound engineering to voice work to everything is insanely well done. They're constantly retooling it as well so that it continues to be reasonably balanced and fun to play. They're putting in a lot of events for different things and whatnot. I, it's, it's a great game. I, we had our doubts initially in very early beta, but man, they cleaned up shit fast and come release, not only fully playable, but a ton of fun. Well, they're also listening to the community, which yeah. is a, a thing that, and I'm going to say this, uh, please don't kill me, Blizzard fanboys and girls out there, but Blizzard traditionally hasn't been doing for the last like decade. Um, and they're actually, they took the feedback and actually iterated upon it, which is something that, that really made it stick out. The only thing that this category made me really think, though, is I want to know what their criteria was for selecting Game of the Year. If it was purely based off of sales in in, in engagement, I don't think I can, so. under, I can understand it. But if, it, if it's talking about full experience, I always get really weird when a shooter is in that category, even especially when it's Overwatch, where none of the story is in the game. The way they so were like, talking about it, this was, again, pulled from industry peers, essentially, not developers. Yeah, I, but I think the nominees were fan voted, if I'm remembering correctly. No, there was a completely separate category for fan voted. Everything else was like Game of the Year okay. was that, selected. So there were two separate categories. Yeah, those were all done by, again, industry journalists and, and whatnot. They, it was, that's right. Yeah, that's how they do it. They did it to get all the nominees and then to send out the nominees to then get the the uh, the winners as well. So these are all just, again, your IGNs, your, all these other people as well. So, well, like I said, again, as a game of the year, though, it, no, it doesn't have the story in-game that, say, the Uncharted obviously does. But Uncharted doesn't have... Too. What's that? I mean, I didn't think Titanfall 2 was going to get it, but Titanfall 2 Inside and Uncharted 4 all have incredibly more story or incredibly uh, access to more story in the game itself than Overwatch does and has a, like I said, it's not, it's not that I disagree with it. 
It's more I'm just really curious what the the sort of qualifiers are. I think that you're expecting game of the year to have elements of all the other categories yes, built that's, into that's it. Where my and mind is, yeah. I don't think that's what A they were trying to do or B what that category represents. I think it's just what was your favorite game of the year? It's, and it doesn't it's, have to have any story. It could just be a goddamn amazing shooter. And or even, fair. you know, the game that had the biggest impact amongst the gaming populace, which I'd say Overwatch has, given A, how many yeah. people are playing it, yeah. but also, you know, the fan art. And, like, it, it has a very rabid following. It's not just a lot of people bought it. So I, 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 it's not my game of the year, but I can't be upset about it. Well, like I said, I'm not upset. I was just, I was just more curious than anything. Okay, best game direction. We've got Blizzard for Overwatch, Dice for Battlefield 1, ID Software for Doom, Naughty Dog for Uncharted, and Respawn for Titan uh, Fall 2. And, of course, Blizzard got it for Overwatch. Again? Yeah, I saw that. I'm all right with that, be it them or Naughty Dog. But, again, for uh, as much as I loathe Kaplan, the team has done exceptional work with the game. So I you have to give them props for that. And then when you look at this is more so in terms of the, the Game of the Year award versus game direction. But when you look at the implementation using their existing player base based on their other... It kind of fits with game direction still because it's a smart move from Blizzard. You, using that momentum of all the player base that plays WoW and Diablo and StarCraft and everything to then make that shift into... Even if it's just trying this by giving it elements that are familiar to players of those other games. So, again, yeah, I'm all right with Blizzard taking this. Uh, next, we've got Best Narrative, which we had Firewatch, Inside, Mafia 3, Oxenfree, or Uncharted 4. And Uncharted 4 took that one as well. Um, Uncharted 4 is nominated for a crap load of awards, not surprising. I actually have not played it. I'm waiting Till uh, once again a really good sale, and then I'm going to pick it up. And I have the uh, the collection, the, the Drake collection. So I'm just going to play one through four because I finished one and two, but not three. So I'm going to just play them all th- the way through, and then see how I feel about four at that point. We loved Firewatch. We loved Oxenfree. I know Joe, you loved Oxenfree. I did. I really For did. Best narrative though. Knowing what you know about Uncharted, not having played it, and I know you're not the biggest fan of it, but what would you have given it to then here? I mean, even all bias aside, like, I don't understand even why Inside was on this list to begin with. I would have given it to Firewatch, and I'm saying that because what I have seen of Uncharted 4, and maybe... Maybe the playthroughs I'm seeing, maybe they're, they're, it's just not deep enough or whatever the case is. Firewatch told a much better story, mostly because it had to, and it did so very well. And I'm not saying that Uncharted 4 story is crap, um, because what I've seen is good, but I think that it wasn't the best in that list. And like I said, Inside confuses me because Inside's a game where there is, like, the narrative is there in the gameplay, but it's very, very limited, and even after as much as I've played of it, it's it's taken me a while to figure out what the fuck even happened. Okay. So, Ma- Mafia 3 has a decent story from what I understand. Uh, Oxenfree, I thought, had a great narrative. But yeah, of that list, I honestly would have given it to Firewatch. Vince? Yeah, I, I would have put it between Firewatch and Oxenfree. See, what's funny for me is I was, uh, I was chit-chatting with Sissy after I'd watched the awards, and... 
I was telling her, like, I was disappointed about the Best Performance Award, but we got to talking about the other awards that Firewatch was nominated for, and she was saying how much she would have liked it to have won some of the other stuff that it was it was nominated for. And And I was telling her how, like, before we even got to meet her, I had praised, well, we all did praise the shit out of this game. So it's not a personal attachment to one of the people who worked on it. It's just that the game was fantastic. And the other thing, too, is when you look at it in terms of this category specifically, Firewatch had to rely on narrative like very Mm -hmm. few other games have because it was all about that conversation between you and Delilah. So each one of those delivered lines had to be spectacular. Certainly you're going around and you're investigating and you're doing all kinds of other stuff, but the entirety of the game is that narrative between the character, you, and Delilah. Even after the fact, knowing what we know now about the game and how some of those lines were recorded and delivered and how those interactions happened, add even more weight to it because that's how much care they put into the telling of the story was, we need to make this as close to the heart as we can. Let's, Let's do it this way. Yep. Yeah, no, all good points. And again, for this, I definitely would have given it to Firewatch as well. Again, because in terms of narrative, that's all this game is. It's all about that that relationship. So, and it and it's it's one thing to say it's all about that, but then maybe it's like, yeah, but it was only so so. But it was brilliant, in my opinion. It was the 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 dialogue was phenomenal and so nuanced, so disappointing. I found best art direction. We got Abzu Firewatch again inside Overwatch and Uncharted four. And the winner for that one went to inside in terms of art direction. Again, I love the art style of Firewatch as well, but I wouldn't have given it the nod here as much as I thought it was spectacularly beautiful and and stylish, very stylish. I still wouldn't have given it best of, I actually wouldn't have gone with inside either, which again, very original looks great. But when you look at Overwatch and Uncharted 4, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's not just because Uncharted 4 looks so bloody good, because not all games have to do that, obviously, for Inside 1. But especially with that PlayStation experience, which we're going to get into later, they actually talked to Naughty Dog for a few of the games there, and it gave an entirely different perspective of how they do their scenes. And, and it's not just motion capture, it's full-on capture of scenes with their actors and whatnot. And it really gives you a, a much deeper appreciation of what they do. And there's no denying, I mean, fuck, Uncharted 1 to 3 looked amazing. 4 is, it, it's batshit crazy how good it looks. And then Overwatch is just a damn good-looking game. It just fucking looks good. So for me, it would have been one of those two. Vince, what about you? Personally, I was actually really pulling for Abzu. Oh, yeah? Oh, it looks good. There's no denying yeah, that. Yeah, that was just such a cool experience. So, like, but I, I, they were all good choices, really. Like, they, there's, I couldn't have been disappointed with any of them. Yeah. Joe? Kind of with Vince on this one, I was going for Abzu. I thought that it was visually the most appealing out of the out of all of them, and unique um, too in what it, it looked was, like. What's that? It was unique too in terms of that that style. Yeah. I thought it it looked kind of again. It's it's hard to do that style without looking like it's just too simple. 
So it's mm-hmm. a fine line there that you have to to thread. And and I thought that they did a phenomenal job. I, I thought I thought it looked very painterly. Is the yes. best way that I think I could explain it. Yeah. That, that's not saying that inside wasn't beautiful, but my problem with inside is that it it, it was very. It was all about gray tones. Oh yeah, and and it set the mood fine, and it was great there. But it was one of those things. It's like the uh, any other game on that list would have been I I would have picked over inside. Honestly, yeah. Okay, uh, moving on. Best sound and music design: Battlefield One, Doom, which one? Inside, Res Infinite, and Thumper. <laughs> Fuck, I love Thumper. I love Thumper. <laughs> Thumper would have won in any other year, but Doom was too fucking awesome. The the audio engineering on Doom is insane. They've always done that. Any fucking Doom, you go back and play him, and the sound engineering is batshit crazy. It's just so good. And they did this with 3, and I've talked about this before at one point, um, where like the stuff that you hear in the background of those games, when you have a good set of headphones, uh, virtual surround sound or actual surround sound, and just listen. It is fucking insane. And they up the ante with this Doom. Like, it is fucking... I won't play it when I'm home alone in the dark. Like, <laughs> the shit... The shit that... Have, there's, like, fucking whispers in the background. There's, like, these haunting riffs that, like, like get... Oh, it's it's insane. The audio engineering uh, and, and development and production that they put into that game, they absolutely fucking deserve that. Yeah. Best performance, and this is the disappointment for me, and actually a fairly big disappointment. So we've got Alex Hernandez as Lincoln Clay for Mafia 3, Sissy Jones as Delilah for Firewatch, Emily Rose as Elena for uh, Uncharted 4, Nolan North as Nathan Drake for Uncharted 4, Rich Summer as Henry in Firewatch, and Troy Baker as Sam Drake in Uncharted 4. So as you can see, mostly Firewatch and Uncharted, which speaks highly for both of those games. Nolan North won. Now, North is a fantastic voice actor. Well, they, they all are. Let's be very honest here. Yes, but North every is, one of them. has proved, proven for, for years that he is a spectacular voice actor. So credit where credit's due. This was one of those where it felt like, okay, well, it's the last Drake. We should give it to him kind of thing. I, before, once again, we'd even spoken to Sissy the first time. I had said that if she didn't win for Best Voice Actress, then that would be a travesty. I didn't even need to hear anything else for the rest of the year. (laughs) It was that fucking good. And I maintain that. It was so nuanced that you could feel so much emotion and you could tell so much of what was going on with a character that you never get to lay eyes on. So and that that's the huge thing. Like the performance was entirely vocal exactly. with her, and, and as well with um, with Henry. So I mean, it it it's it's a no contest for me as well. Yeah. Yep. Well, I was very vocal about this on Twitter, so it should come as no surprise that I really, honestly think Sissy should have won that hands down, simply because her performance was superior. Yeah. Um, that's just me. Now just saying, like Nolan was great. Absolutely great. And and Troy Baker is fantastic yeah, as Sam oh, yeah. Drake. But honestly, you're talking about range of emotion. Um, and, and here's something. In Uncharted, if you were to play or listen to Nathan Drake with your eyes closed, not being able to see the body language of the character or the facial expressions, it would – I believe that you would have a different um, takeaway 
from the, uh, the the character itself, right? He, the character is a sum of everything. Delilah was nothing but the voice, yep. and she conveyed everything with that voice. To me, it was a better performance because you got everything from imagining how she was standing or sitting or moving her body just by how she was speaking. The range of emotion uh, and, and physicality that came through just from the voice alone was phenomenal. And the same for Rich Summer as yep. well. Yep. Like the fact that you cannot see their characters and they had to rely entirely on the damn voice. Either of them should have gotten into my book. Now, the only thing that I will say in defense of North is that the category is best performance. Mm-hmm. It's not just best vocals because nowadays with all the captures that they do, especially with Naughty Dog, they are filming the actors doing a performance. So they're full on dots on the faces and performing. And a lot of what you see in the game was actually the actors doing it. And then that's animated and put in. And again, we got a lot more of that when they talked about the, the, uh, a few of the titles in the PlayStation experience. And so in that regard, you have to include the performance, the visual of what the characters look like in the game, because so much of that is actually based on what their performances was. So I will mm-hmm. say that that does notch it, notch his performance closer, but I still don't put it over. Sissies. Even taking all that into account. No. <laughs> yeah. Now the one thing that I will, and I will say this quickly and then move on. We've talked about, I think we've brought it up here on the show in the past. I know that I've talked about it a lot on Twitter is the voiceover Actors who are some of them are on strike right now because of the performance matters and trying to get equitable and fair contracts because contracts have not been renewed with certain publishers in fucking forever and they're archaic. Some of these people are literally having throat hemorrhages and bleeding from the throat because of what they're expected to do. For Nolan North to accept the award and give a slight to that wherein his expect his acceptance speech came off essentially is saying stop bitching at least we have jobs and look at how hard these guys are working too to me was a not the place to do it and be a slap in the face to your peers many of whom don't have your clout to be able to get good contracts don't have your clout in terms of being able to say no I'm not doing that because that's not reasonable and also aren't working with Naughty Dog, who, again, going back to those panels, like Naughty Dog is prepared to work on a scene until it's right. And if they work for the day and it's still not right, they say, okay, we'll work on it again tomorrow. That doesn't apply to a lot of voice acting where, no, you have an hour, you're going to pump out all of these lines, you're going to get them right, and that's going to be that. So I, when I heard the, his speech, I was really floored and disappointed that he would be saying this to his peers. It, it, it bothered me immensely. Yeah, I don't know if that was his intention, but definitely the way Fuck. it came off was very, very uncomfortable. Yeah, I hated it. It, it fucking bothered me to no end. Yeah, you and I were chatting very shortly, yeah. like, at, at, like once you got to that point, and it was the same thing. Like, I, I heard that, and I'm like, I assume that I'm taking this a little too close, like as far as like a little too personally, but like I went back and listened to it again. It's like, no, no, it's, it's there. See, what's funny is that again, I've followed, I follow a lot of voice actors 
uh, on Twitter. And Stephen Bloom is one who has been very vocal, no pun intended, about this as well. Now, Bloom, who does the voice of Wolverine and does a crap load of voices, does voices in uh, The Old Republic, and tons of games, tons of animated stuff. You, trust me, you've heard his voice. You might not realize it, but you've heard his voice. He has said himself, he's talked about how many hundreds of voices he has done and said that because of that and because of how long he's been in the business, he does have a little bit more clout to be able to renegotiate contracts because of his name and to be able to go against certain things that other actors cannot. But he still supports the voice actors. And he says, just because I have that freedom, a lot of them don't. We have to make this better. And he's he's standing by his peers. That's how you do this with class. What Nolan North did was classless. It, again, fucking pissed me off to no end. Moving on, though. <laughs> Games for Impact. Did they have this category last year, do you recall? I think so. Okay. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, 1979 Revolution, Blockhood, Orwell, Seahorse, and That Dragon Cancer. And That Dragon Cancer won. I would like to play this game, but I know that it will crush me. I I can't. I'm way too close to the subject matter. I can't fucking touch this game. So it's not surprising that it won. It's been insanely well reviewed and received. It was the best acceptance speech oh my that God. I've heard so the most in heart-wrenching. years because this was the father who lost his son. And the reception he got from the audience even. At the, I am choking up a little talking about it, remembering it mm-hmm. now. It was that profound. So, I mean. Well, let's just put it this way. He got a standing ovation and Hideo Kojima did not. Yeah. Well, yeah. Best independent game, once again, Firewatch, Hyper Light Drifter, Inside, Stardew Valley, and The Witness, and Inside won again. Inside got, obviously, as you can tell, many nominations. It is a very good game. Once again, in Best Independent, I certainly would have voted for Firewatch. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. This one, if you want to go, like, gameplay-wise, I might have even given it to The Witness. Did either of you play that? No, I didn't. A little bit, but my PS4 is funky right now. The Witness is is phenomenal as far as gameplay is concerned. Mm -hmm. If we're just talking from that aspect, I probably would have given it to The Witness. Uh, Best mobile handheld, Clash Royale, Fire Emblem Fates. (laughs) We know what Alicia is voting for. (laughs) Monster Hunter Generations, Pokemon Go, and Severed. Pokemon Go won. No surprise there. Not surprising, no. And it deserved it. For what it did and for how it impacted such an enormous population, many of whom weren't even gamers, how it brought people together outside of their little comfort zone, their their gaming room, to actually A, exercise, walk around, talk to people, and and do something like this. It, it was well-deserving of the award, in my opinion. Best VR game, Batman, Arkham VR, E-Valkyrie, Job Simulator, Res Infinite, and Thumper. Res Infinite 1, which I didn't play, obviously. Um, I I actually bought Arkham VR because it was an insane sale, so I bought it. I just haven't had a chance to play it. I'm quite literally just finally over the pneumonia, 
So now it's like, yeah, I don't mind having something over my face, like the VR thing to, to play. And so I'm looking forward to getting into these games that I picked up while they were on sale and playing them. The only one that I did play, well, I played the demo for E-Valkyrie, which while spectacular in so many regards, I would have to play the Vive version to see if it's a lot clearer because the PS4 version just wasn't clear enough, I found. So I don't know if the full version would look different, although from what I heard from most people in red, it is actually fairly um, not blocky. That's the wrong term, but it's not as clear as what it should be. Thumper, meanwhile, was a complete surprise for me of just how fucking good (laughs) this game is, how (laughs) unbelievably fun it is and how different the experience is from playing with just a controller on a TV versus the VR experience, which is insane. And I've talked about this before too, on a, when you look at it in terms of that pain relief, chronic pain relief, uh, that VR can provide thumper was insane for that. Like I can sit and play thumper for a good half hour. No freaking, um, nausea whatsoever and it will distract me enough that I don't think about the pain so for that I definitely would give it to Thumper uh, best action game Battlefield 1, Doom, Gears of War 4 Overwatch and Titanfall 2 and Doom 1 I'm yeah. going to guess you agree with that yeah it, it, it there are very few games that will keep me like if action oriented that I don't feel either overwhelmed from or need to take a break from the pacing was fantastic the action was fantastic honestly it's probably the, one of the best action games I've play, I've played in a very long time because it's a game that's entirely about its own action yes. every every design decision from graphics to music to sound design level design it's all in service to that action yeah uh best action adventure game dishonor 2 hitman hyperlight drifter ratchet and clank and uncharted 4 and dishonor 2 took it which is really freaking nice i actually once again i bought it when i was fucking hopped up on pain meds and <laughs> the pneumonia meds and everything else plus some wine that night and I wound up buying it. I still haven't played the fucking thing, and I'm dying to. And now, once again, that I'm feeling better, I, I will be playing it. So, very happy to, to to see that. I'm really surprised that Hyperlight Drifter got on there. Not that it's a bad thing, but um, I'm kind of happy that that type of game actually made it at least into that category. Right, mm-hmm. right. Best RPG, and this one has some contention that comes with it. So we got Dark Souls three, uh, Dark Souls three, Deus Ex: Mankind Divided. The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, Blood and Wine, Warcraft, uh, World of Warcraft, I should say, Legion, and Xenoblade Chronicles X. And The Witcher 3 won. Now, what was funny for this, not funny, haha, but um, somebody on Twitter was talking about how they don't feel that a DLC should be nominated for a best RPG game of the year. Uh. And. There was a thread on Neograph that was DLC. fucking nuts, but it's it's it is a DLC now. Whether the DLC is has a ton to it, I personally, I don't care if it has a ton to it. Still, the base of it is still a game that was last year's game. 
I don't feel that a DLC should be in a best RPG of the year. I, I, just, I, would, argue, I would argue that if the DLC didn't have gameplay that was longer than most games released this year, sure. But it is basically a complete game in and of itself. And I think, Vince, have you played the DLC? I, I still haven't finished the main game. <laughs> but okay. and, and also how the DLC, it didn't just... It's a whole new game. Yeah, like it iterates upon the gameplay of Witcher 3. Like it for any other game or company, this wouldn't be a DLC. This would have been a sequel and nobody would have complained, even if it had recycled all of the gameplay. So I I think by the standards of the game industry as a whole, I I I don't disagree. I, I don't either. The DLC had longer gameplay than fucking Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't matter. Once again, it's it's based on a lot of the code that was in the original game. It's based. Code doesn't, okay, it, stop, stop right there. Stop right there. Oh, that that, is, uh, that I, is a debate we've that is a debate we've had for a long time. It doesn't. It's based off the code of an earlier game, sure, but so is a lot of other games that are out there. Mankind Divided is based okay. a lot on Human Revolution. I so may have had additional points to add to not just that one, so that you would see that perhaps there was a point that the old man had that you know. You can at least fucking listen to. (laughs) So there's a lot about the game, not just the coding, but there's a lot about the DLC that pulls directly from work that was done pre in prior years. Let's just leave it that simply. And I think that in so doing, it is again, it's a disservice to original games or in, in this case of mankind divided whatever it's still a, a it's a separate game so again it's it's something that you can argue all you want and we mm-hmm. can respect that we have different opinions well i personally I don't feel that. that a dlc even if it's a very long one belongs in the same category as other original games then i believe that you would would you argue then that world of warcraft legion should be taken off that list as well then legion is very close to the same thing for me as well i didn't pinpoint it but i was actually going to bring it up because that an expansion the reason, the reason i'm I can't saying is nobody had a problem with it is because it was called an expansion if we looked at blood and wine as the as an expansion and not a dlc i'm wondering if people would have the same problem possibly i don't know I, i'm not going to speak for anybody else it's just these are my opinions there's definitely points to be made on both sides. Okay, moving on. Uh, skip best fighting games. Who gives the right ass? <laughs> the only one that came out this year won. Uh, strategy game. Civ 6, Fire Emblem's Fate, Banner Saga 2, Total War, Warhammer, and XCOM 2. Vince, uh, looking at Civ 6 versus XCOM 2, which I know you loved, which one would you give it to? I would say Civ 6, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It, it's just hmm. someone disagrees for 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 what they did with the game. Like it's the best Civ game at launch in several iterations. Like <laughs> it's where a lot of the previous games were after several expansions and it works pretty damn well. Whereas XCOM 2 was fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think just based on the quality of the work, I, I, I would have to give it to six. See, honestly, and, and this is where I'll, I'll disagree just slightly. I think it should. I think Total War Warhammer. Oh, I, I listen. I, I have. I have no. <laughs> you, the question that was asked to me was between seven. <laughs> <and eight. laughs> 
<laughs> I have no experience with any of the other games on this list. But like Total War Warhammer the, is just in terms of strategy. Like if you want to talk about capturing old school RTS type feeling gameplay with beautiful graphics, uh, immense battlefields and some really cool AI technology as well. Um, it's probably in my for my money, it's the best one on that list as far as strategy games go, because every mission you play, every campaign uh, you do can end incredibly differently and has so many different solutions not saying that Civ's not a good game but in in terms of of all that on that list i would probably go with total war warhammer okay let's move on best family game dragon quest builders lego star wars the force awakens pokemon go ratchet and clank and skylanders imaginators uh pokemon go one again which i i question the family game part of that for which one for pokemon go yeah. Why? I don't really see it as a family. Oh, dude. Yeah. I know a lot of parents who their mm-hmm. kids play with their phones and walk around and look for Pokemons. And like when, when the game first came out. I know parents out, who have gone on road trips just so their kids can catch Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Like Karen's taken walks with her phone in, in the back because we have the dog park in the back. And when the game was just out after a few days, maybe as much as a week, and she was saying it was wonderful to watch because you had all these parents walking with their kids and the kids have got the phones and they're walking around and they're talking about which Pokemons are there and they're playing together and doing these things that she thought it was just phenomenal. And I've seen a lot of kids around here as well doing the same kind of thing. So, no, I I definitely see this as something that is something you can, if you choose to, do with your kids. And it's an activity to get you walking outside with your kids as well and doing stuff. So uh, nobody cares about sports racing, but Forza Horizon 3 won. And best multiplayer, Battlefield 1, Gears of War 4, Overcooked, Overwatch, Titanfall 2, and Rainbow Six Siege, and Overwatch 1. No surprise there, and I definitely would have given it to them as well. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, most anticipated game, God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, Mass Effect Andromeda, Red Dead Redemption 2, and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Now, this was one of the ones that was voted by everyone, the fans, mm-hmm. and Legend of Zelda 1. It's not the top of my list. I don't know about you guys. I'm not surprised, though. I'm not surprised. (laughs) It's been the best, most anticipated game for several years now. For a while, yeah. But, man, I would have given it to Horizon Zero Dawn Mm -hmm. or Andromeda long before Breath of the Wild. You do? Um, I don't know. I would say Mass Effect Andromeda, maybe. I would say Mass Effect Andromeda, but my heart tells me Horizon. Yeah. See, my heart, my heart says that for me personally, but I'm looking at it from just general like hype. Yeah. Well, like, no, hype I, I can guarantee you, general hype amongst gamers after Mass Effect Three is not Andromeda. Mm, I don't know. Uh, I don't know about that. I think a lot of people, myself included, I a lot of people, yes, I have forgiven the ending. This category, no, I, I have forgiven the ending because it, it's. I, and we said this. I said this especially way back when that. I didn't have a problem with three until the last few minutes. The rest mm-hmm. of the game, fucking loved. And one and two, loved. So I'm not going to forsake an IP just because of, you know, 15 no, minutes I, of gameplay. I am 100% in agreement with you, but this being a fan-voted category. Oh, yeah, not surprising. Yeah. 
Okay, the rest is trending gamer and esports shit, and we can skip over all of that. They did talk. Actually, well, I would I would like to. I'm really the trending gamer. I'm actually kind of happy that Boogie won because despite yeah. his Francis persona, he's been very out there and very vocal about fighting depression. Uh, the struggles of having a dual personality, not just online, but in personal life and dealing with everything that he deals with. Um, and I'm really happy that that was recognized and they didn't just go with, you know, the fans didn't just go with whoever the most popular one is, which could have been any anyone else on that list. So I want to give shout outs to that. And I also want to, you know, give a thumbs up to Boogie because, you know, he may be annoying to some people when he does his Francis stuff, but he is probably one of the most genuine people out there. Actually, the one thing I will say about him, and I haven't watched all of his videos, not even I won't even say a lot of his videos, but I have watched a few of his, and what I have enjoyed is that, and and it's it's not just because of the stark comparison to the Francis persona, but it's that reasonable attitude when he's discussing mm-hmm. a subject mm-hmm. of not going off the handle and not having these knee-jerk reactions of hating something or being, you know, overly enthusiastic even, just taking that middle road of, okay, let's think this through and what this means for everybody. So I the, the videos that I have seen where, and he has demonstrated that, has been like a refreshing change when it comes to streamers. I, I really like that a lot. Okay, now we can move on. We did get more on Andromeda as well. Of course, we got a lot more on a variety of different games, but we got more on the game, more actual gameplay footage as well. The game is gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. Most of the gameplay that I saw was it appeared to be a Vanguard playing, so it had a lot and of... And that Vanguard looked fucking oh, awesome. It was freaking cool as shit. Because I loved the Vanguard in 3. The, yeah, so did I. Yeah, I, I really did. And, and it was funny because as I was watching that, I was thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to have a lot of the same mechanics that anybody who played Vanguard used with the shotgun and just going right close, get your shots in, dodge away kind of thing. And that's what was happening. So it was like, ooh. <laughs> I am excited. Um... Space exploration seemed very similar to Mass Effect 3, I found, by the look of it kind of thing, and using the command consoles and whatnot. They're going to be putting more crafting and gathering, which never really my favorite thing in the other ones, but it's part of the game. It's 2016, well, 2017. You have to have crafting and gathering in your game. Yeah, another Mako. Yeah, I screamed really loud fucking Mako when I saw that. There was also a video. I don't know if you guys watched it. I think I posted the link in the uh, You posted it, but I guarantee you I didn't watch it. Okay. So, yeah, it described a little bit more of the actual – because it was talking to you as if you were in the game kind of thing and what the game entails and what you can expect. And it is basically you are going across and you're going to this space station, which is called the Nexus, which is essentially like the Citadel. And so you are going to this space station in the Andromeda galaxy, and then you're kind of your shuttle that took you there. You were in cryo during the travel because it takes too long. It kind of docks in, and then it starts to repurpose that space to use it for the space station as well kind of thing. And it was really cool, actually. It was neat in terms of how it made you feel as if, okay, it's kind of like if you came into a new country and then it's like, okay, there's going to be people who are going to help you like immigration staff 
try to find you a home or try to find you where you'd like what you'd like to do in this new place because everybody's kind of coming in blind to what not just where they're going to live but what they're going to do and things like that and there's different home planets that you can choose from that'll have different things that you can specialize in so the it was i thought it was super interesting and again the stuff that we saw in terms of the gameplay and whatnot while there wasn't a ton of it 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 just it had enough that it was like okay yeah i am really looking forward to this and there is going to be a novel coming out too for it a novelization uh, in 2017, so that's going to be cool. Not a novelization for that, but uh, a precursor to the game. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. And then we got more on Zelda, where you kind of got a glimpse of the 99% of the game that's not in the Plateau video that we have previously <laughs> seen. So it, it didn't give you a ton of gameplay, kind of flash between a, a whole bunch of different, be it quests, dungeons, or what have you kind of thing. Looked great. Still looks it looks good. It doesn't. I I don't think the art style looks spectacular, and I'm thinking that's partially because they had to code it for both Wii U and the Switch. Mm-hmm. It has an interesting style. It has a very pretty style. It's nice, but it's not something that blows me away. But it does still look very good. The video didn't kind of I. I felt a lot more watching the other videos before that were just from the. It, it was not a very good video. Yeah, so I'm no, watching this I and going, mm, okay. So, uh, what else? We got some Rocket League news, which, Joe, you still which, play the crap out of that, don't you? Oh, God, yeah, I do. At least, at least a game a night. Um, it just dropped today, actually. <laughs> Starbase Arc, which is their new map, uh, as well as uh, several new cars. Uh, it's a space station, and it's all futuristic and sciencey and stuff, and it's fun. It looks like it's on Vulcan. Uh, what's that? It looks like it's on Vulcan. It, it basically is. Yeah. And uh, the new the new cars are very very um, you'd find them in the Star Trek type thing, so I absolutely love it. And like I said, it just dropped today, which is uh, December seventh. So yeah, very cool. Uh, we got a teaser trailer for the Telltale Guardians of the Galaxy game that's going to be coming out. We knew that it was going to be coming out. This just kind of and it, it, if that. we hadn't had that spoiled for us, this would have been fucking awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah, but even as it was, it was like. This is cool. I love it. I'm glad you're doing it. So, yeah, that'll be awesome. Uh, there was the industry icon for Hideo Kojima at the very beginning with part uh, with a new clip. Which it made, was a new teaser trailer for Death Stranding. Very don't, don't try to make sense of it, Roger. Oh, it, does, it just doesn't. Listen, that award was one thing and one thing only. We love you. Keep making weird shit, please. And he's going to keep making weird shit. But I will say this, that new trailer made me actually interested because it looks like some Cthulhu-esque shit. Oh, yeah. It it did a lot more than the first trailer did. It did. The first one's, oh, he's Norman Reedus naked on a beach. Okay, well, that's that's not very intriguing. I mean, not to me, at least. I'm not a Norman Reedus. Like, I'm not into him that way. Mm-hmm. But then, like, this stuff, like, here where, and I can never remember the actor's name. I always think of him as Le Chief. Um, but, like, Mads. him coming out. Sorry? Mads Mikkelsen. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that that got me excited. Yeah, that got me excited. That and then you know the fact that he was like Cthulhu tentacles coming out of his body, and I'm just like, what the fuck is going on here? Soldiers, I'm like, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, and Guillermo del Toro as well in it. <laughs> yes, which that is the coolest friendship 
in the world right now. Oh, yeah. Those oh, yeah. two make the coolest buddies. I just, when you see pictures of them together where they're holding like a fucking stuffed panda and all this weird ass shit, it's like, I, I'm willing to support you guys and play whatever games you do or movies you do just because I love the two of you together. That's what it boils down to. We also got a new trailer for Prey. I am already at the point where I didn't need to see more of Prey. And the more well, a I lot see, of the trailer was stuff we've seen before anyway. Yeah, yeah it was just like recut. But I'm I'm still you already had me, so then that's that's cool kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, Halo Wars two stuff was actually pretty freaking interesting, I thought. Uh, probably not enough to get me into the franchise because I really haven't played Halo except for some multiplayer stuff. So I is that you played Halo Wars the first one, did you not, Vince? I did not know. Oh, you didn't? You skipped that one. Okay. I did. You did, you said? I did, yeah. Okay. What did you think about two? I'm not overly excited so far. Okay. I think the Halo I think Halo for me has kind of run its course. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least for me, the trailer, like the the dramatization was just it a lot of it felt off. Like they wanted things to be important without actually making it important. Uh, it just it just didn't have any impact for me. Okay. All right. There's like dramatic music and like, you know, story beat and really serious tone. But it was just like, but it's just a trailer. Like none of this has any context to be as serious as you're trying to make it. Shall we go back to Hideo Kojima's <laughs> Death Stranding? Because <laughs> there is no fucking purpose there whatsoever. Right, yeah, but he but doesn't try to make it purposeful. Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't hear some weird <laughs> some shit. shit. Yeah, like, you could tell that Halo trailer was trying really hard to make you feel a certain way about things, You're but it hadn't it. earned it. Is yeah. what I'm saying. I thought it was well done. I, it, again, not enough that it's going to get me to play, but I thought it was well done. And then lastly, The Walking Dead Season 3 got a new trailer, got more about... Um, Again, the characters that you're going to be playing for the most part, which is actually not Clementine. She doesn't show up until later on in the trailer at the end, although it's fucking cool seeing her again. But Joe, did you start two yet? Season two? Because yes. you were going to. Okay. How far in are you? I literally just started. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious what you're going to think playing through it. Because, again, you're probably going to feel like I did when it wasn't as good as one, but it is still nice seeing Clementine's progression. I- I have a feeling we're going to suffer from trilogy syndrome where it's going to be like one, three, two is the order in which I favor them. Yeah. Yeah. I I just have that feeling. Yeah. Okay. So that was it for the game awards. Let's move on to the PlayStation experience. Now this, I (laughs) lately, whenever Sony is doing freaking an experience or an E3 or thing or whatever, it's very rare that I'm thinking, well, that sucked. Because there's always fucking amazing They're just so good at it at this point. Now, even when you're looking at everything that they talk about, there's going to be stuff that you don't care about. But there's so much stuff that you're like, yeah, but look at this, which is fucking unbelievable. So they opened and closed with Naughty Dog. So the opening ceremony, it opens with slums in India. It's absolutely gorgeous you're trying to figure out what's going on there there's either a military or resistance force and then you're seeing a female lead character in like full burqa outfit walking around and then making her way to a rooftop after some sneaky lock picking when you're seeing that plane dropping bombs on the village oh my god 
powerful as fuck. Because again, these are times when shit like this is happening around the world. So when you then see the reveal, (laughs) when she takes it off and you see the hair and you see that it's Chloe. And for me again, because I'm more of an uncharted fan than you two, there was a (gasps) moment and it was like, Oh my God, not just Chloe, but Chloe and Nadine. And this goes towards not just a very strong IP and the world that they created, and not just insanely strong characters, both male and female throughout the four games, but the fact that they said, yeah, Drake's story is done. It was obvious they wouldn't kill the IP. I, I doubt Sony would let them. But the <laughs> fact that they are saying, fuck that, we're putting two women who are going to be leading the charge here on the post Nathan Drake adventures in Uncharted. And I was like, dude, sold, sold. I will play the fuck out of that game. So I was blown away as were apparently most people in the audience. It was a great reveal, amazing intro to the PlayStation experience uh, showcase. And, and yeah, I just thought it was fantastic. And then what? Else? Oh, Marvel versus Capcom. Do you, do you play that at all? Vince? Yeah, you do. And just very, very briefly. This is actually huge because no one thought this game would ever exist. Like when Disney bought Marvel and they let all of the contracts expire, like when Capcom lost the Marvel license, like that was a big thing because the game had a lot of development issues. Not so much that like the development, like when the game came out, it was a huge hit, but that was also right when the tsunami hit Japan. So it did not get a lot of support at all after release. And then the ultimate version came out and not a lot of people bought it. And then Capcom literally couldn't do anything to the game anymore. Like they, they couldn't do patches. They couldn't update it. They couldn't balance it. They just legally could not touch the game anymore. Like, so like Marvel's Capcom three, if I'm not mistaken, you can't even buy it anymore. Like that's how much that, that license went to them. So what we talked about a while back about how now Disney was Disney and Marvel were not just like handing out the license to everybody, but really approaching companies that they wanted to work with. The fact that they approached Capcom and saw that even though like in the grand scheme of games culture, fighting games are very niche, but they see the passion that the fan base has. And that's, (laughs) there was passion in that audience. (laughs) Isn't that the the one where somebody stood up and said, I love you. (laughs) Their shit. And it was awesome. Uh, We got some, uh, a trailer for Wipeout Omega Collection, which I really like the Wipeout games. I got really excited for it until I saw it was just remasters. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not I, like, remasters of great games, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really, I was really pumped for a new Wipeout. Yeah. Same. Then some more Destiny the Dawning, which we've already talked about before, so we won't do too much. Joe, I'm assuming you can play the crap out of that. Probably. There's a very good chance that my uh, Xbox will be devoted to time in front of uh, my. My screen playing Destiny because Destiny. Yeah. <laughs> Either of you care about the uh, Grand, uh, Crash uh, Bandicoot remake? I do actually. No. Yeah. I I like I like mascot games. I think they're fun, and I like being able to see some semblance of some of the classics coming back. And Crash Bandicoot happens to fall into that category. I will be playing it. Okay. 
I, I'm curious to see how well it holds up because while they're updating the graphics, I don't know if they're updating the gameplay. And the gameplay was groundbreaking 15 yeah. years ago. Given the choice to play that or Ratchet and Clank, I would much rather play Ratchet and Clank. Oh, well. yeah. I mean, Ratchet and Clank is definitely up there, like, as far as mascot games go, as far as better, but I'm still going to play this game. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil 7. There's a final demo that's available now, which includes some PSVR segments, which I'll be trying again. I did try the the PSVR VR segments that are out now, but I really don't like the control scheme they used and found that it did make me nauseous. So it was like, fuck, because I really wanted to play the shit out of that. So I'm going to give it another shot and try because I want to play these games and I like being scared by games. So I, I would really like to, but it might come down to me not being able to. I know we talked about this when it first premiered of how somebody at Capcom saw PT and went, hey, Konami's not making that Silent Hill game anymore. Let's make it ourselves. And now that we actually have more story bits about the whole I thought my wife was dead and she sent me a message from beyond the grave. That's literally Silent Hill. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, this is the first Resident Evil game I've ever been legitimately excited for because I've never cared about any of the others. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to I'm going to agree with that. Like, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that I was never excited for the others. I mean, I played the hell out of the earlier ones, but of recently, like, I'm so jazzed for this. It's not even funny. Yeah, that Ace Combat 7 game looked fucking gorgeous. Oh, my God. Like, I've never paid attention to Ace Combat. After that trailer, I was like, hmm, hmm. I might want to play an Ace Combat game. Exactly what I was thinking, because I was thinking I've never played any. And then I saw that and went, oh. I guess I'll be trying seven. It's got a story. It's got all kinds of cool shit going on. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. We got more on The Last Guardian, which just dropped, so people are putting their reviews up. I still have not seen anything that blew me away. I know that there's a lot of diehard fans that are really invested and whatnot, so there's a lot of people who were very excited. Good on them. But I still did not see anything in this trailer that, made me buy it so i've been watching playthroughs like people have been playing it since it came out and i just can't help but look at it and keep thinking this looks like a last gen game that i'm just as excited as i was for it like nothing else has been coming that i'm i haven't seen anything that's made me want to play it which is sad it's not just the 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 way that it looks which has a yeah that has a big impact but it's also the the gameplay does not is not groundbreaking and it doesn't really impress me all that much. And then from what I've seen so far, uh, that's again I haven't watched all the let's play. I've watched some, but not all. There's not enough story to really make it something worth playing. Like the 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 hook of the boy in this massive pet is one that's been used. It's a trope that's been used a great many times. So yeah, you can play with that and do some very, very cool stuff, but that can't be all there is to it. There has to be a really engaging story. And from everything I've seen so far, which again is limited, I will point blank admit, there just has not been enough to draw me in that there, that there is that epic a story in there. And here's the thing. Like now at this point, the game came out yesterday. Yeah. I've heard nobody talking about it. I've heard a few people saying they're playing it and they like it, but... Yeah, but that's it. Like, yeah, there's... Man, there's a lot. Like, you'd think one of the most anticipated games in recent memory 
there would be a buzz around it. But I, I, that's the worst thing that can happen to a game. It comes out and nobody cares. Yeah. Do you guys care about the Parappa the Rapper and Loco Roco and oh, Patapod remasters? That was the announcement that got Alicia the most hyped. <laughs> oh, what a surprise. Parappa the Rapper is like one of her favorite games <laughs> to the point where as soon as we finished watching it, I had to download the demo. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. The download for the demo is I think it was like 609 megabytes, which, if I'm not mistaken, is bigger than the entire original game. And it's just the first song. Right. And... and I don't know if it's a calibration thing because you know how newer TVs and rhythm-based games work, but the timing seemed really, really off to me. Like, it took me a couple playthroughs to get it, like, the the tutorial song to kind of get the rhythm down. So Jesus. I, there, there's work to be done. Uh, knack, too, because people were clamoring for it. <laughs> but it's coming out. It looked cool. It looked good. Yeah, but elements of Knack fun. look fun, too. Until you realize, yeah. oh, shit, there's nothing here. So. Well, I mean, maybe they'll, they'll figure it out. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Gravity oh, Rush. I, I was watching the trailer for this. And I went, hey, this looks fun. I you know, might buy it for $12 at some point. Oh, yeah. But it would have to be a damn good price, yeah. Gravity Rush 2, which, again, I have not hidden my love of this IP, so I am really looking forward to this. There was a couple of videos that dropped. They were talking to the devs for for a while, and then there was some uh, a trailer that they showed as well during the showcase where they showcased um, Raven, one of the characters, where you're going to be able to play a DLC that's going to come out for free, if you bought the game, of course, in, in March. And it's basically this whole other story from... Um, the story of the kids from the, the first game that, that Raven finds and whatnot. So, so that's going to be cool. And it, it showed some interesting gameplay for her as well because she plays differently. And then there was uh, an interview with the devs where you found out a lot more. Like this is two and a half times larger than the original map that's in Gravity Rush 1. In fact, Gravity Rush's map is embedded in Gravity Rush 2, which is cool in and of itself because... The manner in which you play the game by zipping around and kind of flying. If you haven't played it, it's really hard to explain. But basically, you control gravity, so you'll kind of hang about, and then you can choose which way gravity pulls. Quite literally, you can make it pull from the sky instead of where it would generally. There's no Earth here because everything kind of floats, but you know what I mean. So the landscape of the... They're not cities per se. They're kind of like little villages and they're floating. So there's a bunch of different ones because you do so many challenge maps, challenges wherein you are getting so many gems in different areas and there's little paths and whatnot. You really get a feel for your little village where you're doing this. So the fact that that's going to remain in the game kind of, I, I really kind of dig that. And then they were talking about, uh, different fights and different like there's 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 a boss in there that's the size of a city. So it's like, well, that's gonna be fucking cool to fight. <laughs> and there's all kinds of other cool asynchronous challenges that they're tossing in to make it so that you can do them on your own time, which of course everybody understands is important in the play games while you're on the crapper age. And they it has the same kind of um not comic book, but manga style with some of the, like when the quests come up and you're getting your story, which I dug. I really love that about the first one. So to see it implemented, same kind of way in two, 
I absolutely adore that. It's an original way of getting the story across, and, I, and again, absolutely dig it. Plus, there's going to be an anime that's going to come out before to tell you the story leading into the game. So I thought that was really quite cool. So, again, very interesting. The creepy photo mode was a little weird. <laughs> not sure about that. I might not be doing that, but we'll see. Um, Gran Turismo Sport fucking looked amazing, but we're not going to discuss it. But God damn, did it ever look good. Nino Kuni 2. Oh, my God. Revenant Kingdom. Oh, oh. God damn, did that ever look fucking awesome. Oh, it it made me want to go back and play the original yes and dedicate another 70 hours of my life to that yeah i uh i was talking to i want to say dan on twitter uh yeah i think it was because if i'm not mistaken he was joking around we were talking before his his brother stole his ps3 many years ago so he never played nino kuni and it was like oh he you missed out on the definitive game for that console and he was saying mm-hmm. he, he wished he could play it on yeah it was dan because uh he wished he could play it on his ps4 and i was saying you can get it on now the ps now and there's a seven day free trial so you could if you can finish it off in seven days there you go unfortunately it's not available in australia where he is but uh but anyways back to nino kuni too like like I just said, for me personally, Nino Kuni was the definitive game for the PS3. It wasn't Uncharted, it was Nino Kuni. And this looks just as beautiful, just as endearing with the characters and how they're presented and, and everything else. And they showed some of the combat as well and how it's going to be. Seems to be holding on to a lot of the same kind of mechanics for those encounters. So that, again, awesome. It was great. Didn't need to be tweaked or fixed. So. Even if they leave it exactly like it was, I'm all right with that. So just give me more Pokemon to catch. Fucking right. <laughs> uh, Yakuza Six and Kiwani coming to the West. Okay, whatever. Uh, Danganronpa V3. Yeah, whatever. There all was, about it. What's that? All about it. Really? Give me more of that creepy fucking bear. And now he has Koopa Kids. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know what? I'm not surprised at all. Oh, really? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Nier Automata, they showed quite a bit more of that as well, which uh, is awesome. Again, I'm not a fan of the nearly naked characters, but I mean, the gameplay certainly looks amazing and the art style is gorgeous. The, uh, the creature designs as well are spectacular. So it's got a lot of cool things going for it. Mm-hmm. Did you guys watch? There was a little clip of it in the uh, the showcase, but then there was also again dev interviews later for Dreadnought. I have not had time for any of the interviews. Okay, we talked about this before when it was first announced because this is the one where you are piloting a Dreadnought, like these massive ships in space. And what's cool about it because you're having a lot of these space battles. And a lot of these uh, different types of games, when you're looking at space battles and whatnot, you're looking about being very maneuverable and just kind of having these X-wing type dogfighting situations. Whereas with this, it's not about that. You know that your ship can take a, a beating. And so you are relying on your shields, you're relying on your the, the lasers that can shoot down missiles on all kinds of stuff. It's more about, can I defend 
against the punishment that's coming around the corner. While also, speaking of going around corners, they were talking about using the planet's uh, landscape as a mechanism to defend as well, like going around, be it buildings or mountains kind of thing to protect yourself against different assaults. But I, I thought it was very cool because, again, it's it's a slow chess match versus a frantic checkers match. And I really, really quite dig that. And plus, it's free to play. So awesome. We got more on Pyre as well. Supergiant Games was there, not just for the little bit that they showed off during the showcase, but again, they had an interview um, afterwards. I can't remember with who. Damn it. I think it was Casavan. I think so, because, yeah, it was. we talked to the dude before on the podcast. And, I mean, we've talked about that game before. For me personally, nothing's changed. In fact, it's just gotten more of a must-buy purchase. Art style is just still gorgeous. He showed off a ton of the multiplayer and how that's going to work. And you got more information of what you're actually doing in that space and trying to put out your opponent's pyre and things like that. It was very, very cool. I don't know if either, well, Vince, obviously you didn't watch any of the extras. Joe, did you watch it for that one? Joe's gone. Moving on. Um, I'm right here. (laughs) You didn't answer. I waited. Well, I'm sorry. Next time I'll just sneeze right into the mic. But no, I didn't watch it. So continue on anyway. Somebody's still... Listen, I'm sorry I said you lied. Let it go. Okay, moving on. Did you watch uh, the Vane... I heard that. (laughs) Did you watch the Vane trailer? I did. I'm trying to remember what it was. That was the one where... um, the it, it kind of has a post-apocalyptic feel, and there's this young kid kind of running around. Let's see if I can find it here. I'm completely drawing a blank. Yeah, uh, give me one second. Remember, I saw it. I went, okay, that looks interesting. It looked fucking cool as shit. Amazing art style. I really was impressed, and I hadn't heard jack shit about it before. Um, That's the Mad Maxi looking one, right? Almost like it's got the the desertish type post apocalyptic. There's setup. a lot of like uh, flying around and stuff. Like you're you're like a, a crow's. You're right above a, a crow and you're watching it from a crow or a raven, whatever the fuck it is. Um, and you're watching it flying around here. I'm gonna put this in our. I was gonna say I'll put it in our champ, but I can't figure that out. There it is. I just work <laughs> in tech. I don't need to know this shit. <laughs> Fucking technology. There it is. Um, but yeah, it, it does have that, that Mad Max art style to it because there's uh, a lot of uh, desert uh, environment kind of thing. And then weird, not necessarily buildings, but structures that have that piece together from pieces that were found all over the place kind of thing. So yeah, but it looked freaking yeah. cool as hell. Hell, I re- I remember this. Yeah, this is this is definitely on my radar now. Yeah, the the art style was amazing, and it just looked like a very very fun game, an interesting game to play as well. So kind of it it gave me that journey type feel, not in terms of being the same type of game so much as just that feeling of a game that's not your traditional type of game where you're just going killing shit. I'm interested to see if that's if that's actually going to be the case. I'm hoping that it is. Yeah. It, it, it's intriguing enough to pique, pique our interest. I kind of hope it's going to continue to keep it. Yeah. We got some more on Absolver, which still looks like an amazing melee fighting game. 
Um, once it's on sale for a good sale, then yeah, I'll, I'll probably pick it up, but I probably won't pick it up right away. But still looks great. Found out more about it too, like in terms of there's three different distinct styles that are going to be in as well as one hidden one that you can discover as you're going along. And they really went all out to try to make it so that whichever meal, fighting style you choose will feel like that style and not just a mixed match. So I adore that. I think that's freaking cool. What Remains of Edith Finch? That was a cool trailer. That mm-hmm. was fucking amazing where you're looking at the different rooms in the house and the voiceover saying that she's not allowed in all the rooms and whatnot. That was a really cool trailer. Another narrative-type game that's going to be fun to play. What else? Uh, Let It Die is that weird-ass free game that's going to be coming out if it's not already out. It already no, it, is out. It, it is. It is. And I, downloaded I, it. I downloaded it and I managed to play it for 10 minutes before my PlayStation crashed again. So, okay. Did you it have is, fun with it? It is a weird Dark Souls. Yeah. It's, okay. I would say it's Japan's Dark Souls, but it's Dark Souls did come from Japan. It's Suda's Dark Souls. It's yeah. weird. It's twisted. It's actually a lot of fun. It's fucking uh, no more here. It's no more heroes. Yeah. Just if, if, and, if they can get their server shit together, because yeah. right now, uh, a, a disconnect counts as a death, which I can understand because I don't want people to purposely disconnect to avoid deaths. But when the servers are disconnecting and it's causing people to lose progress, it's a bit of a problem. But uh, it, I, I, I'm really interested in seeing like what happens with the game in the future. It's got some really interesting mechanics in it too, like the whole killing yourself type thing to unlock mm-hmm. further things, and the visuals are really intriguing. Some of the story elements look like it. it let me let me just say this. Death might be my favorite narrator. Uncle Death is pretty Uncle Death. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Uh, you could when I was playing through the demo and in, in the demo, like I didn't actually get into the settings to see if there's an option. Like Uncle Death starts talking to you through the speaker and the controller. Scared yes. shit out of me. <laughs> yep. It is absolutely hysterical. And every person I know who's played is like, oh God, what the fuck? <laughs> I can't remember the last game that used that speaker. I, I forgot it was there. I absolutely well on the PlayStation no, but I can I think I know the last game that actually used the speaker or a controller and it was Shattered Memories for the Wii. Oh. Now there's another one that uses it for PS4. I can't remember what it is either though. Okay, uh what else we got? We got Windjammers, which I really didn't give a rat's oh, ass hype. about. Fucking hype. Windjammers is awesome. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really give a rat's ass, but uh, Lara Croft Go, Croft Go, coming to PS4 and Vita. That'll be awesome. And whatever. Um, then they talked about PSVR, although really not a lot. They mo- ma- mainly talked about the Starblood are- area, arena, whatever the fuck it was, the, the Space Fighter, which looked interesting, but... I would have certainly liked them to showcase a lot more than just that, especially seeing as how they're trying to really push for the holidays. So that was a little disappointing. But we, the name is Star Blood Arena. Yeah. I I would play it based on the name alone. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> uh, more on Neo as well, which I know that, Vince, at least you were very excited for. <sighs> you were last time we talked about it. I'm excited to watch other people play this game. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And then they talked about Horizon Zero Dawn here and during the uh, that uh, the showcase, and then there was a very good. It was long too, uh, dev session 
where they talked with one of the writers, the narrative director, as well as they had one of the higher ups for a little while. He was there too. What was interesting is before we actually get into Horizon Zero Dawn, though, did either of you watch the the Kojima panel for uh, during the PlayStation Experience? Nope. New. Okay, so there was uh, an interview with Kojima, with uh, Jeff Keighley. So he's interviewing Kojima because he adores him. But what was really cool is that they brought out, I don't know if it was the CEO of Guerrilla Games, but somebody high up at Guerrilla Games. And when um, Kojima left to start his own studio and whatnot and to start his own projects that he wanted to work on well he did not have any game engine or anything to use for his products now anymore all of a sudden and guerrilla games offered them their engine that they use for horizon zero dawn for free and just as a collaboration on working to improve the engine as well so that they could use it for death stranding and also um, Guerrilla Games is using it for Horizon Zero Dawn. But it was one of those moments which we don't see often enough. I'm sure it happens behind the scenes often, but we just aren't privy to that. Where it was, again, it's one gaming studio seeing somebody else striking out on their own, somebody notable and who needs help and saying, here, use our engine. It's just, we want you to continue making good games. Let us help you with that. And I thought that showed a tremendous amount of class on their part. So that was cool. In terms of what we saw and and heard for Horizon Zero Dawn, the the trailer during the, um, the, the showcase showed a few interesting things that we hadn't seen, although most of it we had. But it kind of... It, you, you couldn't miss that line of figuring out the, the deep secrets of the earth kind of line that was delivered at one point. And you're going, oh, OK, so this is going to let us figure out what happened. Why is the world the way that it is? And then when they were talking about it during that uh, the, the dev interview, you find out that this takes place a thousand years in the future. And it, and it's it doesn't the world doesn't look like a post-apocalyptic game that you see often it's it's lush it's beautiful the machines mm-hmm. are the dominant species and humans are 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 separated in tribes it's it's kind of regressed humanity back to a period where it was thousands of years ago where people are more nomadic and living in tribes and their the each of the tribes has their own religion as well and their own architecture when he was talking about, like, and this is where I'm really looking forward to playing the game and literally just walking around and looking, he was talking about how the, they're not monsters, but the, the robots, for lack of a better term, how they have impacted on the tribes as well. So when you're seeing tribe elders or tribe warriors in their full garb and whatnot. Some of the elements that they're wearing are medallions and all that, where they took scrap metal from robots they've killed and reshaped it and whatnot to be part of their official, be it headdresser or anything kind of thing. And then they've also got different 
hunting trophies, for lack of a better term, that's up on different roofs of the buildings in the tribes. They even talk about the location of the tribes often will be in recesses following against a high cliff wall so that they can't be attacked from the back or the sides kind of thing, but only from above. And then they have gated, well, I mean, gates being massive tree trunks kind of things that have been placed in the front to protect them. But there was a lot of environmental lore that he talked about, which was really, really cool. Again, it's, it shows that they took their time with this. And he talked about a lot of the different things that we've discussed on the, the podcast before in terms of how the different quote-unquote robot animals behave similar to what you would expect from that type of real-life creature kind of thing. So there was a little bit more on that. The stuff with the female lead character, um, Aloy, that was cool because the it was asked right off the bat, like, was there a point where you thought about using another character or a male lead character or things like that? And they said, no, no, no. She was like one of the first few things they thought about and that she's always been the centerpiece of the game. And again, we're, we're seeing more of that now where you're getting a lot more, well, I, not necessarily a lot, but you get more games with female leads where the developers are like, no, 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 I don't care what the fuck you, you're saying, publisher. This is what we're putting out. And and that's that. And so you got to respect that. And the more they talked about the character as well, who was kicked out of her tribe when she was still fairly early, but you don't know why. So that's going to be a mystery that you unfold. But because of that and because she has had to survive on her own since she was a child, that explains why she's so bloody good at hunting these creatures, at maneuvering around them and up them kind of thing. Also, her distrust and even hatred of tribes as a whole kind of thing. So a lot of different, not just world building, but character building as well. And the, the interpersonal relationships between the characters has been laid out. And they didn't want to spoil too much, but what they did talk about and how it's leading to a a fairly big mystery that she is working to try to reveal and figure out what happened and whatnot. It sounds like it again. And this is something I was talking to Tristan about uh, after I'd watched this. If they deliver on, on these things, if the game looks and plays as good as it looks like it should, which is a little hard to tell because of the PS for Pro versus PS4, which I'm assuming most of the footage we're seeing is either from a PS4 Pro or even a PC running emulators to, to run the, the engine kind of thing. But anyway, so it's, it's hard to tell if it's going to look quite that good. But then as, as well, it's an open world, so we don't know how big that world. They can say, oh, it's massive all they want. That doesn't tell us anything. So I, I, I equated it to the order. Looked insanely beautiful, but it's not until you play it and you realize, oh shit, there's next to nothing here. But if they can deliver on the scope and if they can deliver on the story elements based on what they've, they've shown us already, for me, this is looking like it's not just a contender for game of the year, but it probably will be. I am just blown away by everything we've seen from this game. Like, 
the, like this could be like the next you know huge game of the industry. It, it could be the next you know let's say Uncharted, a, a game that defines its time, its platform, its everything. And I so hope they pulled off. And everything I've seen leads me to believe that they're they're on top of it. They got this. Yeah. Yeah. Here's hoping. Joe, I have nothing useful to contribute to this that you haven't already said. <laughs> Fair enough. And then they closed. Smartest thing you've said all night, right, Joe? <laughs> the uh, they closed it off with The Last of Us Part Two, which yet another. It's not until you get further in that you realize what it is. You see the the logo first, and that's when it's like, oh, I know what you are. And then you see Joel, and then you see Ellie, and talk about a an end to a showcase that has people excited. That was a spectacular, spectacular trailer. And, and here's the thing. They could show literally nothing else about that game until it comes out. Yeah. The minute she started playing the fucking guitar. Oh, yeah. I'm sitting there and like, and I'm just like, what's going on? What's happening? What's going on? Ooh. I, and I love when they do that. Like, and I, I, I tweeted about this a little bit earlier today. Like, one of the best scenes I think in modern gaming was the circle unbroken thing in Bioshock infinite. I like when they have those sort of breaks in the chaos. And I, I like this because it's this moment of calm in a world that we know is really fucked. And well, I can't wait to see what happens around it. It's not just a, a, a moment of calm, but it's their attention to detail as well. That little hand tremor. The, oh yeah. The, the, just the tuning, the one string, all of these very, little subtle things that and the that, song and lyric choices yeah, oh too, god yeah like yeah obviously yeah and see this is where i watched the 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 dev and actors um session uh, panel for uncharted the lost legacy which is the one with uh, chloe and nadine as well as the one for the last of us part two and for the the uncharted one they had the devs and they also had laura bailey and claudia black both spectacular voice actresses as well. And then for The Last of Us, they had Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker on as well. Both of them, again, exceptional actors. What was really interesting, more so than the tidbits of information that they provided about both of those games, was the process at Naughty Dog. And they both, all of them, at one point or another, and even during the acceptance speech, I think even Nolan North mentioned her. A lot of mentions for Amy Hennig, who's no longer there, but her influence is still felt. And a lot of that trickled through to how Naughty Dog handles the performances from the actors. And one of the really cool stories that Claudia Black told was when they were working on, and I believe it was the second Uncharted, so it was not nearly as advanced and they were working on it, and they still did the motion capture, but very limited motion capture. And she was doing a scene where she is getting very close and personal with, with Nathan. And in the scene, she ran her fingers up his chest in a seductive kind of way or whatever. And then the devs went up to her after, and she thought she was going to get in shit for that. And they said, like, we really like that. And she said, I'm sorry, probably shouldn't have done that and whatever. And they said, no, no, no. It's just your hand isn't captured. There's no motion capture on your hand. <laughs> so we didn't get to that. Now we need to decide, are we going to take all of the extra time to motion capture your hand? Or are we just going to leave that part out? 
and they had meetings about it and everything. And they decided to <laughs> motion capture her hand and it's in there. And I remember the fucking scene. So I know what she's talking about. And so they went through all of that trouble just to be able to get that. And they were talking about the advances in how they do motion capture now, which is again, not just motion capture because they capture the voice acting while they're doing that as well. And it's gotten to the point where they import sets and they include the sets in the capture as well. So it's damn near filming a fucking show, like a drama or a sitcom kind of thing. And then they put that all into their game engines. But they were talking about where they are now with what they can do with the mo- the, the capture screens and where they would like to be. Because it's gotten so advanced, but there's still so much more that they can do. And they talked about all of the things that the actors bring to each of the performances, like that little hand thing, but also little twirls of the hair and different things like that. Uh, Troy Baker was talking about one of the scenes with Ashley Johnson that just was not working. They took a break. They went back to it. And it just happened that when Ashley Johnson was giving her performance, he was looking away and she's talking about how everybody's gone and, 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 and whatnot. And here he is not, appearing like he's not listening to her and she lost it on him in character and just kind of, I think struck him on the chest or whatever. And it's like, like you're not listening to me kind of deal. And that's what they used for the performance. So this is again, going back to Nolan's award, how the performance does need to be included in, in that rationale, just because the actors bring so, so much to it. And they're looking at going forward finding a way to incorporate clothing as well so that because actors will fidget with their clothing or whatever to act natural. And so they want to be able to do, to do all of these things. And when you look at what they've done from one to four and what they're doing with the lost legacy and the last of us part two, you can only extrapolate from that what it's going to be five, 10 years from now, which is fucking awesome. So that's it for me. Did you guys see anything else that you wanted to touch on briefly? I think that about covers. Yeah, everything. that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But man, it just like we said at, at the beginning, Sony just gets these presentations. They get the flow. They get what people want to see. Eventually, somebody else will catch on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it was Greg Casavan who was on for the the pyro um, mm-hmm. thing, and. Uh, happy to know as well that Logan Cunningham has got a voice in this as well. Of course. He was in Bastion in Transistor and the, he's the narrator in this. So I thought, oh, that's fine. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. It's a long episode, but we had a crap ton of games to discuss. We are um, probably going to be, no, we're going to have a regular episode coming up soon, but then we're going to have a couple of holiday episodes that are going to be coming up in Chatterrun. That's going to be freaking awesome. <laughs> and we're bringing back Sissy for one of them. So it's going to be freaking cool as shit. It's just it's going to be split into a couple of episodes because somebody has to go to bed early. Not naming names. Anyways, you can find the show notes at For the Lore. You can find us on Twitter at For the Lore or individually. Joe is Loaders at Jane. Vince is Sabonian. I am Zen Buddhist. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. And with that, we will see you guys next week.
baby, I'm tired of talking. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. That is Bobby, baby. That is Bobby, baby.